Welcome to episode 148 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Patricia, Michelle, and Michelle. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Patricia, Michelle, and Michelle for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of Alcoholics and Addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me are co-hosts Tom and Grace. Welcome to the studio. Hi. Hey, Spencer. I'm going to start with a reading from the book, From Survival to Recovery. Uh, This starts on page 267. It says, if we willingly surrender ourselves to the spiritual discipline of the 12 steps, our lives can be transformed. We can become mature, responsible individuals with a great capacity for joy, fulfillment, and wonder. Though we will never be perfect, continued spiritual progress can reveal to us our enormous potential. Many of us discover what our fellow members already know, that we are both worthy of love and loving. We learn to love others without losing ourselves, and we accept love in return. Our sight, once clouded and distorted, can clear enough for us to perceive reality and recognize truth. Courage and fellowship replace fear. It becomes possible for us to risk failure and develop new, previously hidden talents. Our lives, no matter how battered and degraded, will offer hope to share with others. We begin to feel and know the vastness of our emotions without being slaves to them. Our secrets no longer have to bind us in shame. As we gain the ability to forgive ourselves, our families, and the world, our choices expand. With dignity, we stand for ourselves without standing against others. Serenity and peace will have new meaning as we allow our lives and the lives of those we love to flow day by day with God's ease, balance, and grace. No longer terrified, we discover that we are free to delight in life's paradox, mystery, and awe. We laugh more. Faith replaces fear and gratitude comes naturally as we realize that our higher power is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Can we really grow to such proportions? As we accept life as a continuing process of maturation and evolution toward wholeness, we gradually begin to notice these changes. We may see them first in those who walk beside us. Sometimes these changes happen slowly or haltingly, and occasionally with great bursts of brilliance. As we work the steps, we move ever closer toward light, toward health, and toward the higher power of our understanding. As we watch others grow, we realize we are also changing. This is the second in uh, a series on what are often called the gifts of Al-Anon, or sometimes the promises of Al-Anon. And today we want to talk about the uh, the two sentences. We will discover that we are both worthy of love and loving. We will love others without losing ourselves, and we'll learn to accept love in return. Grace, if you had heard or read this statement when maybe when you just arrived in Al-Anon, what would you have thought about it? I think I would have noticed the part about we will love others without losing ourselves. That probably would have stuck out to me because I wasn't aware that that was a problem for me. I wasn't aware that that was something that, that people do. I didn't know it existed really. Mm, yeah, I, I can, I can see that. How about you? Yeah. Losing, losing ourselves is not something that um, I was familiar with when I came into the program. 
I'm more familiar with it now is, uh, as I'm in a relationship, I can see how it's easy, uh, that I'm almost prone to do that, those kind of things. And, uh, so if, if I didn't have the program, um, to help me be aware of, of these problems, then I wouldn't be able to deal with them. Um, I wouldn't have the awareness that I, that I, um, have today. That is something that definitely stuck out to me. It was very foreign. Concept to me. Yeah. So some of this, some of this statement just wouldn't have even made any sense. None. None. For me, the, I mean, definitely this this notion of loving without losing ourselves. I think that society sort of puts forth this notion that when you're in love, you like totally merge with the other person and yeah. you're one, right? And and what we have learned here, what I have learned here is is. That's not actually a really healthy thing. Um, and maybe I sort of knew that beforehand, but I didn't know, I didn't know how to be in love without doing that. So there's, there's four, there's four parts in here. There's four statements in here. Um, and I, I want to sort of take it apart a little bit, uh, and ask, what does it mean to you to be worthy of love? Grace? I guess what it means to be worthy of love for me is I need to be acting like a good person. I'm learning to believe that that I am a good person um, no matter what I do. Like, you know, the outsides don't uh, reflect the inside. So if I'm in a, in a bad situation, it doesn't reflect that I'm a bad person. So, Tom, how about being worthy of loving? Yeah, being being worthy is the part that sticks out to me. When I was thinking about being wor- worthy and kind of separating it from love, and I, I tend to think in opposite. So, you know, being worthy. Uh, well, the opposite of love is is hate, and and that goes right along with being worthy. Um, it's kind of a self esteem thing for me, and um, so as I kind of was trying to put my mind in the right on the right track and and start thinking about this topic um some interesting things came up in in the readings um in and and how Al-Anon works there's some really good sections on building self-esteem and 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 those things are are things that I didn't really recognize until I came into the program that I had such a self-esteem issue and that I didn't feel that I was worthy mm-hmm. um of receiving of receiving love uh, is there a particular passage in the book that that really speaks to you about that? Yeah, it's kind of in the middle of the paragraph on page ninety one, building self esteem. It says, in order to overcome these feelings of inadequacy and self hatred, many of us must force ourselves mechanically to go through the motions of taking care of ourselves. We learn to act as if we love ourselves and behave accordingly. We don't have to feel worthy to see the dentist. We merely have to show up for the appointment. Our teeth get just as clean, and perhaps that will lift our spirits just a bit. We may be uncomfortable about taking the time for a massage or a bubble bath when we could be worrying on behalf of someone else, but improving our lives may not always feel comfortable at first. When in doubt, we can try to choose the action most likely to enhance self-esteem. Even if we are only going through the motions, our loving behavior will help us feel better about ourselves. I was just at the dentist um, a couple of days ago, <laughs> so of course I would read this passage, and it uh, it describes me to a T. 
Um, so I, it didn't feel comfortable to start, to start doing things like taking care of myself. I should be worrying about other things. It wasn't always other individuals, but there always seemed to be pressing matters that, uh, meant that I had to skip a meal or get less sleep. And I kept on seeing this, uh, pattern and, um, if it wasn't for the program, I again wouldn't have that awareness and uh, wouldn't be able to take the, uh, the the actions necessary. And I'm still learning what those actions are, um, kind of growing into what works for me at this time. But uh, yeah, going to the dentist it does lift up your spirits. <laughs> going to the dentist, huh. I, you know, I've never felt uplifted by going to the dentist, but. Um, I like that's, the dentist. That's me. Yeah, you said that last time. <laughs> like, I still don't believe it. Okay, no. I, I believe it. I just don't understand it. It's, mm-hmm. it's different. Um, yeah, so I look at this, and and I also connect this being worthy of love or being worthy of loving with steps two and three um, of finding a, a, a loving higher power uh, and and the notion of unconditional love uh, and and what you said, uh, Grace, about you know, in order to be worthy of of love, you feel you have to act like a good person, or you have to be a good person. And one of the things that I hear in in a lot of our literature is that you know our higher power can love us no matter what, and that this is a new kind of love for many of us to find, and that that being worthy, uh, being worthy of love in that view is sort of, if I exist, I'm worthy of love. You know, I don't have to act in a particular way. Um, that's, and it's, it's still sort of hard to believe, uh, to say, oh yeah, that's absolutely true because so much of, so much of my relations in the world have been conditional in some way or another. When I, when I act right, um, then then I get love or whatever. And when I don't act right, I, I get, and what you said about Tom, about hate being the opposite of love to me, there's another, there's another state that is kind of opposite of love, which is indifference. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That if, if somebody is indifferent to me, that can be, as bad as, or maybe at worse than, you know, if they hate me, at least there's some feeling there. If there's no feeling there, that's kind of like, wow, I am just, I am dirt. <laughs> you don't even notice me. Mm-hmm. Um, how about, we talked a little bit about loving without losing yourself. Uh, do you want to expand on that, Grace? Um, actually, I, I kind of thought about what I was saying with the first question. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sure, yeah. To be wor- what does it mean to be worthy of love? I think the the first place that my mind went was a romantic love, and so many of us come to Al Anon because of a relationship that was a romantic love relationship, and it had somehow gone awry. And so now, <laughs> being in the program, I can kind of see some people that I had previously tried to love were not giving me the the proper um, love back, the proper respect, and um, just weren't treating me well. So in that way, you know, that I think that's where I thought of the, you know, people acting 
like a like a good person, you know. It's it's really hard to um to be in a relationship with an alcoholic, you know, cuz they they're not very loving. <laughs> so, I guess in that uh, way, that's where they're acting thinking. in their disease and that's yeah. often true, yeah. Yeah, active alcoholic, I should say. Um, it's easier to love a recovering alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Tom, any thoughts on how about accepting love? Yeah, that's a good one. I was just having a conversation rather i made a a quick comment to somebody earlier today or late yesterday that i'm not very good at receiving genuine compliments and i'm not exactly sure what that comes down to but what i'm starting to kind of think is that it 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 all kind of ties back into the the self-esteem issue that that i'm not doing the things to deserve the to deserve these compliments or and, and you know for me I associate the need of receiving endorsements <laughs> so like uh with lo- with loving right so mm-hmm. um, it's not just action for me if if there aren't isn't verbal uh, reassurances of love it just doesn't seem honest so in the same way if I'm given verbal and I don't see an action it also seems very empty for me, and I, I'm not. I'm so I'm still kind of in the point of my recovery that I am still exploring why I am having difficulty accepting love or compliments, and and how to recognize those things as being in genuine genuine when they are, and and so that's what I've been kind of thinking about recently. In regards to that, um, and it does for me, I think tie back into a self-esteem thing, feeling that I'm not worthy to receive these things, and so therefore they they can't be true and they can't be genuine. It just doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't click for me, and that's probably has to do something to do with my logic that um, that I or or character defect of my own is that I am the one prone to give empty compliments so therefore i am more sensitive to that i think that other people are like me judging other people's outsides by my insides is something i've heard in the in the rooms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to think about this and and i think you're right i think that for me this notion of accepting love really comes down a lot to self-esteem And I think about this expression that we hear sometimes in the rooms, and I think maybe a little more often in maybe the AA and NA programs than in Al-Anon, where they say, we will love you until you can love yourself. Mm -hmm. And and it's just like so many of us come into into the program with, I, I think it was one of the open talks that I posted a few weeks ago under the title, See You Love an Alcoholic. Mm-hmm. One of the people was talking about her her lover was broken. And by that, huh. she meant the part of her that was able to give and receive love, hmm. not a person. That's <laughs> funny. It's a tricky word, you know, <laughs> love-er. Uh, uh, and uh, which, okay, a little, little side uh, note here. There's a, a local, local singer who... Um, has a song about being a liver, and and I always get this picture of this sort of you know, <laughs> blobby red organ, but it's not not what she means in the song. Um, anyway, okay, 
we often come into recovery, I came into recovery with my self-esteem beaten down because of my inability to, you know, at least in part because of my inability to do this thing, which was to get my loved one sober. Uh, you know, I was, I was an abject, utter failure uh, at that. And also because of this sort of lifelong feeling of being not good enough that, you know, I've talked about before. I don't really know where it came from, but it's definitely there. And, and so feeling worthy of love and attention uh, was not my strong suit coming into the program. And I think that also relates to this thing about sort of throwing myself into a love relationship and in particular in a romantic relationship of sort of burying myself in it and losing my myself and be, you know, thinking that we have to become one person. Um, I think those are sort of related to each other because if, if I don't esteem myself, then clearly the love relationship is not about me. Right. And, and I have to, I have to hide myself in. I'm, I don't think I'm saying that very well. Does that make sense? You're looking perplexed too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We come into the program as, as uh, Tom noted with, with low self-esteem um, and, and, in, and in, in consequence, an inability to easily love and accept love or to feel worthy of, of love. Um, how do you see that that has changed for you, Tom? I made reference earlier to being aware of it. But one one thing I didn't make reference to is uh, having the willingness. I, I want to become aware of it. And uh, I think that when I came in to the program, I didn't have the willingness, first of all, anywhere near amount that I have today. Overall, I have uh, the most willingness that I've had. And it just increases in the moment, maybe I don't have such the willingness I need to to see clearly um, that certain things are maybe self esteem issues and and maybe have the uh, understanding on how to deal with them. The first step in taking an action is is awareness, and I have to be aware of these these issues so I can know what to do. And uh, maybe even for me. My journey through recovery is um, knowing how to pray and to meditate about these things. I can't listen for an answer or look for what to do if I'm not aware of of any kind of root causes of of any of the issues. Um, So today... I'm aware of a lot of things, and I've started, just started, to take some action on some of these things, and and I've found some some success. And I would say I have um, a higher self-esteem in some areas, Um, but I'd I'd say is that I've found a voice um, through the program to tell um, a person, um, maybe that I'm, that I'm struggling with my own self-esteem is to let them know that, you know, I'm feeling like I wouldn't necessarily use the word love, but maybe I'm not feeling appreciated in this or, um, I'm not, so I'm, I'm more vocal and I've found a, I've found a voice and how to, um, to talk about these things. 
and to make other people aware of uh, maybe some struggles or some weaknesses of my own. Um, and I've found that maybe um, showing some vulnerability or again, some weakness um, in myself, I've actually found some strength and I've given other people awareness in that process. And, and, and in turn, it's, it's allowed them in some cases, not always to take some, some positive actions and that have positively affected me. <laughs> and, um, and, and that was never my intention. It was just about finding my, my voice and learning that, uh, in the program that just talking about a problem can really help, um, can, and aid in, in overcoming that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I heard Tom talking about, um, being able to assert himself and, uh, talk about his own needs. And I wonder if as you become feeling more worthy of love and of loving that, that empowers you to do that, to ask for what you need instead of saying, well, I'm in love. I just have to take what I've got. Well, yeah. Yeah, certainly in my romantic relationship and my um, non-romantic relationships, I definitely um, have a sense that I deserve better if I'm not receiving good treatment. So um, I am more able and, and more willing to, to step up and um, articulate something that I I might need. And I also learned in the program that I can't expect anybody to fulfill any need for me. You know, like if I need help with um, a project or something. I can't expect anybody to just automatically know and mind read that I need help. I need to ask that. I need to 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 state and ask. So, yeah, I, I have a, a a growing sense inside me through recovery that that I uh, I can ask for things and 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 I think that's because I'm learning to love myself more. Yeah. And and that to me is a huge thing that, um, as, and in particular as I worked those steps of the program that were so scary to me when I came in the inventory the self examination, admitting the exact nature of my wrongs and step five and all that fun stuff. That I came to like myself more because. As we work those steps, at least in the Al-Anon program, uh, we're really encouraged to look at both our strengths and our weaknesses, our, yeah. our assets and our debits, whatever you want to put them. And and sort of writing that down and laying it out and seeing it concretely lets me say, yeah, okay, so I got some problems over here, but I got some good stuff going on too. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing for me that was really helpful was doing the steps in a group and doing the inventory steps in a in a small group uh, where we met regularly uh, over over a, a period of time, working them together. That I could really see that I was not alone in what I thought were my I was not uniquely broken. That everybody had pluses and minuses, and that. Some of the things that I that I didn't like in myself were present in other people, whereas I thought, oh, I'm the only person who's this this bad. <laughs> uh, and that helped me also to to come to like myself better and to 
I don't know, raise the self-esteem, as you say. Uh, as you were talking about people can't read your mind, that's not exactly what you said, but nobody's mm-hmm. going to know what you want unless you actually say something. Yeah. Uh, reminded of the song Lean on Me by Bill Withers, where one of the verses starts, uh, please swallow your pride if I have things you need to borrow, for no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. Yeah. And and that just like came into my head. Please swallow <laughs> your pride, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I can't sing. Well, I can. Okay. <laughs> um, but I don't feel comfortable <laughs> except in a large group where nobody can actually hear me. Um, this is something I'm learning. So, yeah, so tools that have helped you uh, to uh, to gain a sense of self esteem, to uh, to come to like and to love yourself, Tom. What uh, what would you uh, highlight as as tools that have helped you in that regard? I think the thing that has aided me the most has been to hear the different messages at ho- of hope at the tables. And in Al Anon, I've learned that there are all sorts of different kinds of tools. There are you know, meetings, so uh, listening to p- people sh- sharing, and then there's, you know, sponsorship, and there's um, the material, of course, and um, I have a hard time dedicating the time to reading much of the material, and I'm newer to this, to this, to sponsorship, so that hasn't, I haven't probably utilized that tool as, as well as I could, so right now, the tool in my journey so far has been listening to the different the, the shares um, from people in their various stages of recovery in their journey, and uh, so I've gleaned some some helpful things, and it seems almost through uh, osmosis, things just kind of been falling in, into place if, if that makes any sense. And uh, so for me to say this one thing or somebody said this this one thing and then all of a sudden it clicked and I started doing something and then that worked. That's, that's not my story, um, right now. And, um, so, but the, the, the overall tool would, would be going to, to meetings has been a, has been such a help to me, um, and motivating me to, to find that willingness and to, and to, um, to see some things and to become aware. Grace, do you find that, when you hear somebody else in a meeting sharing something that you identify with, that 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 helps you to become, you know, more comfortable with yourself. Oh yeah, totally. It takes it and makes it less personal and yeah. more about this pattern of the family disease of alcoholism. And that feels great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not just me. Oh, thank God. Yeah, I have that experience regularly. Uh, you've probably heard the expression, uh, don't compare, identify, or identify, not compare. Yeah. Um, was that something that was maybe hard for you at the beginning um, when you first came into recovery? Uh, did you find yourself looking at other people and saying, well, I never did that or I don't do that. Because <laughs> um, I know that that's, that's something that I have done. It's like, oh, wow, like my situation was never that bad. Or, oh, my situation's like totally different and so much worse. 
and does that then get in the way of hearing the message? Oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely had more of that going on when I was newer in the program before I started to get this sense that, you know, we all have the same thing. We're all here because we've been affected by the family disease. Um, I, I was seeing, I was taking instead of like sort of the group, I was looking in, at, at individuals and their individual stories. And I could see that they were different and I couldn't see the similarities at first, for sure. Mm-hmm. I just thought, um, as, as we were, as I was listening about, a way in which to some extent I still do this, which is the last time that I was trying to find a new sponsor and I was kind of, I would look around the meeting and say, well, (laughs) nah, not that guy. Nah, not that guy. And, and I could find some reason, like every single person in the meeting, I could find some reason I didn't want to ask them to be my sponsor. And I realized that, um, I was, I was comparing, I was I was picking out the things that I didn't like instead of looking for the things that I did like. Hmm. And when I turned that around and said and I and I could say, you know, this guy here um I don't I don't feel that like he's not me, he's not obviously he's not me, but he's not like a person that I feel like I could identify with right away, but he's got a really strong program. And so I'm going to ask him to be my sponsor. So turning it around like that really helped me with, with making that, that decision. Yeah, I, I did the same thing when I was looking for a sponsor. In the beginning, I, I wanted somebody who had a similar situation. And then uh, as I took time, I came to meetings, I, I kind of took notes and uh, watched people work their programs. And it just went from, I want somebody who has this exact same thing that's my number one problem on my problem list right now. It went from that to, oh, this feels good. And they work a strong program. And I know their sponsor and I respect their sponsor. So they they might be available to me. I'll just ask. And, you know, it just kind of helped. You know, it just kind of went from there. Yeah. I was listening to an open talk today. I think it was an NA open talk. And the person was was talking about their experience of, well, I'm going to wait to get a sponsor until, like, I'm good enough to be sponsored. I don't want to waste my sponsor's time. And that, to me, comes right back to this being worthy or not being worthy <laughs> Uh, you know, at a different, it's a different kind of uh, relationship, but it also is. I can, I, I can totally identify with that guy. I don't know. How do you th- did, did did that ever happen to you, Tom? Did you have that experience of oh, I'm not ready for a sponsor because I don't know enough about the program yet, or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> definitely did. And uh, as I kind of uh, uh, made reference to earlier, I, I'm still. New, I have a sponsor now, and I'm new, <laughs> new to the role of a sponsee, and uh, I, I'm not exactly sure entirely how to f- fill into that role. So, um, yeah, I definitely can re- relate with with that um, idea. 
Let's go back to these statements that we will discover that we are both worthy of love and loving. We will love others without losing ourselves, and we'll learn to accept love in return. And say, where do you feel you are now? And maybe what do you look forward to in in growth in that in that statement? Um, if anything, maybe you're like totally arrived. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, not not totally arrived. No. I I hope and look forward to a, the day when I can accept love and not feel weird, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I look forward to knowing what to do when I receive love. And I also look forward to uh, to knowing how to express love. I get a lot of um, frozen moments of, uh, okay, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'd like to say something. Like, there's some things in my head that are nice, but I don't know how to get the words out. Yeah. yeah how about you, Tom? Yeah, communication <laughs> of uh, of some f- of the feelings of lover whole another topic in and of itself really <laughs> um sure accepting the feelings is something i'm new enough to um it, it's that's new in the program but expressing those those are is very difficult for me as i was talking about earlier um spe- sp- speaking up <laughs> talking about my feelings um uh, of of love to somebody especially in a romantic relationship is is a whole new struggle and uh, a whole new topic. And, uh, but I have certainly not arrived. This is something I struggle with on a daily basis. And it's a very um, real thing to me, a very important um, subject f- for me. And I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to, to talk about it because it's allowed me to really talk about um actually what i am what i am feeling and how i am going about these different things what happens for me today is that i am aware that i'm having a, a self-esteem issue in in some cases and i am not feeling worthy but what i'm finding is i'm feeling at the same time is this feeling of being attacked or that when something's pointed out to me that the other things that aren't being addressed in their their statement are are under siege and that other things are not good enough so if there's been a a critique we'll, we'll say so we could put it into a work scenario that's one that's if a coworker or a customer might make a critique it might make me feel as though they are attacking everything else or other things that they aren't critiquing if you know my logic today is that if if this is wrong then everything has to be wrong or what else are are if they're if they're not if they're feeling this uh, what else aren't they telling me about um so that's that's something that I struggle with and I struggle about those that feeling of worthiness on a daily basis and it's it's it can be it can get really scary um it, that that feeling it, it brings me a lot of anxiety actually how to how to dispel that anxiety 
in that moment or, or soon so that it's not, so I don't keep that with me is, is, is what I struggle with. How do I, you know, how do I use the tools, um, in the, in these moments? And, um, so that's something that I struggle with. As I referred to earlier, the, the first step is kind of to be vocal about it. And that does help me. And that's probably the thing I'm using the most right now. Thanks. Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about, so where am I and in comparison to where, where I came from, uh, almost a decade and a half ago. Wow. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Congratulations. I guess it'll be 14 years this month. Cool. Is that crazy or what? Congratulations. <laughs> does it feel like yesterday? Uh, in some ways it does. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I started doing, uh, after I had come into recovery and I really don't think I could have done it without, uh, a lot of what I have learned in recovery and a lot of the ways in which I've changed the way I feel about myself um, is I spent uh, some years working with teens uh, in, in my church community and finding there a different kind of love. It's sort of a parental love, except they're not my children and finding a lot of difficulty in receiving love back it really sort of surprised me because I always saw like the, the teens in the church were this like loud, boisterous, you know, people that were kind of scary. Right. Um, and I was sure they didn't want to have anything to do with me. I was like this old dude. Right. But what, what, what amazed me is that when I started relating to them as people rather than as, a group rather than as a category um, that that was reciprocated amazingly and, you know, not by everybody, but there were, there were some people who really like appreciated that attention and reciprocated and, um, and it's not, you know, it was not romantic or sexual or anything of like that, but just this, this feeling of, of, I don't know how to put it exactly. Love, I mean, it's a word. Love is a word there, okay? Affection, um, maybe. Affection, yeah, um, of 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 sort of honoring each other. And over the last couple of years, I've been kind of disengaging from, from that role as other things have come up in my life and, and, you know, I have to make choices about where I spend my time. One of the places I spend my time is on the podcast, and that does take <laughs> away from my ability to um, – but – a few weeks ago, um, one of the young people at church uh, came up to me and said, hey, are you going to this youth conference? Because um, it's going to be my last one. I got – this was a kid who had some issues and, and sort of missed a year of school and then graduated early. And so he never he never had his, his sort of final conference, the, the one where he got to say goodbye to everybody because he knew he wasn't going to be back in the community next year. Because he made the decision to graduate after that had happened last year. And so he said, look, I got permission, special permission, even though I'm not in school anymore, to go to this conference, and I would like you to be there. That's nice. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and that is the kind of thing, like, I'm not worthy, right? <laughs> um, that he wants me to be there. Like, I mean something in his life that he wants me to be there. Um, I had another um, a young woman who um, has two mothers, 
said to me once, you know, I kind of view you as my father. And I'm like, ah, (laughs) (laughs) this is scary. You know, this is really scary. But it, it, at the same time, I couldn't have got there and I couldn't have accepted that for what it was without having learned to first like myself and love myself in this program just couldn't have happened. Um, I know I have further to go. I still feel I'm not worthy sometimes, um, a lot of the time. And that expressing love, like out loud explicitly, is still hard for me. Um, That is something that I would really like to see continue to grow in me. All right, now I'm going to put you on the spot with the Mark question. What would you say to a newcomer? Who maybe sees this statement and says, that will never be true for me. What would I say to the newcomer? I would say, you know, we always say, keep coming back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would probably share something about how I felt about that statement when, well, before the recovery and then when I first came Mm -hmm. and and how I feel now. Mm -hmm. How about you, Tom? Yeah, starting off with the um, the experience uh, and hope of uh, in my own personal life was definitely where I always start. If there is somebody with a less recovery than myself, maybe asking for advice or or if I find myself in a conversation that's kind of leading in that direction. The other thing is um, just I always think of the of uh, of how and uh honest open and willing and i think that um as soon as i found that willingness in the program things started to click again you know that's kind of what i would express is is to share that that's my experience Mm -hmm. and not just my own personal experience but i've seen that in other people's experiences as well Mm -hmm. um so have to get honest with yourself you have to be open with yourself. Um, if you want to be open with others, you're going to see some other um, benefits from that as well. And then, then the willingness, the the willingness to hear the message of the hope from from others, is going to help um, start the identifying process. And that's how it was for me. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought up. How? Because that's that's not something that we talk about a lot, at least in the the meetings that I go to. Um, honest, open, and willing. How how do you get there? Well, you be honest, open, and willing. Yeah, it's so simple, sort of. <laughs> Except each of those words is so loaded, um, you know. And being honest and open with yourself—that's that to me is really um, what this program has, you know, enabled me to do. I, I don't think I could be honest and open with myself. And I certainly didn't have the willingness uh, until I needed to. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. And the first musical selection, you know, I found a lot of songs about sort of problems being in love, problems finding love, problems believing that you could love, um, and, and the first one that I picked was by Sarah McLachlan. It's called I Will Remember You. And the lyrics, there's a couple of lyrics in this song that really speak to me of feeling uh, worthy or not worthy of love and loving. 
and there's it's these I am so afraid to love you but more afraid to lose clinging to a past that doesn't let me choose In this section of the podcast we talk about our lives in recovery what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week How about you Tom Yeah this week has uh been really good for me. You could sum it up with uh, one word, encouraging. Uh, it's been really encouraging for me, and um, I don't know if anybody can identify with this, but um, it's hard for me to see my own progress. <laughs> and um, in the recent uh, weeks, uh, I've been talking with somebody that's newer in the program, and I've just been receiving a lot of encouragement um, been helping me see um, my progression in the program, and that's not something that I get every week. And so that's been really uplifting for me. And obviously, I am here. So whenever I get to do a podcast, that's also very uplifting. It's it's kind of twelfth step work, you know. I'm uh, I have something now I can share, and I can and you. I can't share anything I don't have. And so that's that's just one of the blessings of the program. And so this this week I I'm really encouraged. I've been getting a lot out of the the Courage Change book this week. Um everything's been really um dealing with issues um at present for me. Some some weeks it's just uh I kind of have to go searching for that thing that um that makes sense. Well, I'm not struggling with any of these things. Obviously, you know, nothing on the surface. Sometimes I have to go a little deeper. But uh, this week's been really good for me. Uh, in in that book, that's the one that I use daily as as much as possible. So, yep, this week's been very encouraging for me. How about Grace? Well, I've been having a pretty good week. Mood pretty good. So that's awesome. I've been making progress on on the regularity of the program that I practice every day alone at home. Mm. And that really helps. Um, been really grateful to have a friend from the program who I communicate with on a daily basis. I had a, I had a problem come up for me and um, it was interesting. I, I just happened to hear from a friend who's not in the program and uh, it was something like a text like, what's going on? Or how are you? What's been up with you lately? You know, it just was not in the right headspace. And I just, it, I, I didn't feel like I could say, you know, well, right now I'm really trying not to freak out about this issue that I have. And it's, it's you know, an issue that's related to my program. You know, like it, it's something that totally the program deals with. And uh, then a few moments later, my friend from the program who I communicate with daily (laughs) texted me and I was just really grateful and I could tell her about my problem and tell her, you know, I could just be like honest, like this is what I'm thinking about right now. Um, You know, I'm kind of struggling and I, I'm trying not to go off the deep end and, I'm I'm trying to stay in the present and not worry and think about the past or the future, just trying to be right here. And that was really nice to have that 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 person alongside me who who gets it, speaks the same language and knows my story. 
Oh, so true. So true. Yeah. I'm going to work backwards, uh, I think, a little bit from this morning. I went to a meeting, and this is a meeting where once a month we haul out the Blueprint for Progress book, which is the Al-Anon Fourth Step Inventory Workbook. Uh, and we answer as a group, each of us, uh, one or two of the questions from that book. And we're in the we're in the section on character traits, and we're going to be in the section on character traits for a while. But one of the ones that we talked about this morning uh, was the contrast of uh, perceptive versus judgmental. And, and I, I knew that was coming, and, I, and, and we got to it, and I was like, you know, I've been really looking forward to this one because I, I, I think I have, you know, some, some stuff to say here. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can take my inventory right here, right now. <laughs> uh, but I reflected in particular over uh, some interactions that I have with, with people at work. And I work with uh, I work with uh, a number of people. I work in a technical field, and I work with a number of people who are are not uh, native speakers of English. Uh, and in particular, uh, many of them are from various Asian countries and tend to have fairly strong accents. And I realized that my first judgment of these colleagues is based on the difficulty that I have communicating with them or understanding what they're saying to me, mm-hmm. that I have to work harder to communicate either listening or talking than I have to with somebody who maybe grew up speaking English as their first language. And and that in terms of being judgmental, that how well they speak English I come to understand as I work with them has nothing to do with how good they are at their job. It has nothing to do with how smart they are. It has everything to do with me uh, and, and me being lazy about communicating, taking that, you know, couple of minutes in the meeting to look at that questions, these questions about being judgmental or being perceptive and accepting people for who they are and what they are. Um, like really highlighted for me that this is something that is a pattern. This is the the exact nature of one of my wrongs. <laughs> okay, uh, is that that I I judge people a lot on externals still, and and I allow that to affect the way that I work with them. Uh, and so there's something for me to to carry forward and and say, okay, now I I've become aware. Now what's the next step? Well, the next step is acceptance, but then, you know, there's going to be some action. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what is the, what is the action? The daunting uh, action. <laughs> yeah. It was, and there was also a question about, do I take other people's inventories? Uh, to which my answer is, well, I'm pretty good about not taking them out loud anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> step of progression. <laughs> uh, but Man, I'm still taking them in my head, and I don't know if I'll ever get over that. Of but course. at least I don't. I, I tend not to open my mouth with them most of the time. So, progress, progress is good. Um, <laughs> I think I'll. I think I'll stop with that. Uh, so, thinking about upcoming topics, I've been uh, asked by um, somebody if we could do an episode on meditation, and and he offered to uh, 
be a guest or host on that on that episode. So I think we'll do that. And some of the questions to think about if you want to contribute, how, how do you meditate? Uh, or is this something you're still working on, being able to meditate or a, a way of meditating that works for you? Uh, can you even conceive of, of sitting still and emptying your mind? This is something that I hear a lot of people, including me, have difficulty with. And maybe is there some other way that we can do the meditation that's not this traditional like sitting still, quiet, and, and trying to think about nothing because that's so hard for, for so many of us, apparently, including me. We welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or your questions. And Tom, how can people do that? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now to 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of being worthy of love or any of our uh, our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like to, t- to us to talk about, let us know. Hey, Grace, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Our website, therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with occasional meditations, and links to the music we talk about. We've also got some links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. If you'd really like to join the conversation, literally, consider being a guest host by phone, Skype, or Google Hangout. Email feedback at therecoveryshow.com if you're interested, or find all the contact information at therecoveryshow.com slash contact. We will take a short break before we look at the mailbag, and the second musical selection that I chose is Hey You by Miranda Cosgrove. And to me, this song speaks pretty strongly of how we don't see ourselves as worthy even when others might see ourselves as in, in that way. And these lyrics in particular say it for me. You always see the beauty in a passing cloud. You're the one who fixes me when I'm down. And you don't think twice, do you? You could find one diamond in a mine, but you're the one who's shining from miles around. And you don't see that, do you? Welcome back, and let's... uh, Let's see what uh, what we've heard from our listeners this week. Kelly left a comment on the emotional safety episode on the website. Spencer, the Recovery Show weekly podcast has been a godsend for me, and I would imagine many, many others. Those nights when my emotional safety is threatened and my emotional security is weak, I roll over in bed, place my earbuds in my ears, and listen my way back to sanity through your podcasts. What a blessing in my life. Thank you. And thank you, Kelly. And uh, that I've gotten I've gotten an, a number of emails about that episode already, and I think we'll hear um, maybe a voicemail or two as well. Uh, that was that was a difficult one to do, but I'm glad I did it. Carrie left a comment on the goodbye letter from Kelly and Swetha uh, on the website. I just want to send some love and light to all three of you. For the life of me, I can't remember how I found your podcast. I must have been searching for podcasts for Al-Anon stuff, but the funny thing is I'm not a podcast kind of person, so I don't know why I was searching. I've been listening like a woman on a mission ever since. 
I started from episode one and I'm working my way up. Oh my, episode one. <laughs> that was like the three of us sitting around my computer talking to the computer microphone for about 20 minutes. It's really rough. Um, but it's still there if you want to go check it out. Anyway, she says, I've started from episode one. I'm working my way up. I did sneak and listen to a few more recent ones, and I noticed there was no Kelly and Swetha, so I wondered what happened. I want to thank each of the three of you for your time and sharing so much of yourselves in the podcast. Over the years, I've learned again and again that I'm never alone. So I feel confident that when I say this, I speak for others as well. You have helped me so much, and I'm so grateful. I heard y'all read an email from a listener who called the podcast their meeting in their pocket. So true, and what a gift. Thank you all, and sending lots of love and gratitude to each of you. Okay, and we have a voicemail from Emily. Hi, Spencer and everyone. This is Emily S. from California, and I just listened to the episode on emotional safety. Um, I believe that's what it was titled, and I got so much out of it. Um, the articles that you quoted, Spencer, just really made some some lights go off for me. Um, I know that when I'm in a situation where I don't feel emotionally safe, especially with my partner, I just, I really, I become this person I don't know. I don't understand things. I don't understand how I'm acting. I don't understand the feelings that I have. Um, and then if I try to think about what happened the next day, I have trouble even um, remembering the sequence of events. And it's like, it's totally, um, I think what you were talking about where your body just physically makes it so you can't receive information. Um, so that really made so much sense for me. And I, I got so much out of that episode. Um, so much of it just made sense for me. And, and hearing all of that gives me compassion for myself and compassion for other people who maybe do things, um, you know, from a place of fear, and they're not bad people. They're just trying to survive is really what it comes down to. So thank you so much. Um, also, just a fun little thing I wanted to share was that I discovered the recovery show a couple years ago from someone sharing that they were going to be hosting um, an episode of it, and that person is actually now my sponsor. Um, her name is Amy, and I'm trying to think, I believe that she was, she was uh, co-hosting with you the episode about um, what brought you to Al-Anon and what keeps you in Al-Anon. So anyway, that's my sponsor, and she's helping me with a lot of things, and I actually live about um, 50 miles away from her now, but um, we're continuing to work, work the steps and to support each other. And um, anyway, I just wanted to share that kind of small world story. So thank you very much for what you do, and um, keep coming back. Bye. Well, thank you, Emily. Uh, thoughts on what Emily had to say, Tom? The things I could relate with um, were the emotional safety in the relationship. I think I'm, I'm realizing, I'm coming, I'm, I'm, be, I'm, I'm getting a new awareness of kind of what the things that she talked about. She might be a little bit further along than I am even. So it was really kind of a, a great message of, of hope from her and uh, very touching. Um, and yeah, those, those small world stories are <laughs> really, those are uplifting in and of themselves and just one of those, uh, make you smile and feel warm uh, on the inside kind of stories. So thank you for that voicemail. Any thoughts, Grace? Oh, I thought that was really cool. I haven't yet listened to that episode. Um, so I'm looking forward to it now. 
I, re- I could relate to that um, frozen, out of touch thing I think she was describing. That's sort of, I don't know where to go, what to do, what's happening. Um, there's like a disconnect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, Tom, you want to read the uh, email about episode 65? Yeah, um, it says, thank you for your podcast. I, wallowing in fear and despair, I love the term Alan on relapse because that is exactly where I was. The insanity is ebbing now. Thank you. And, and that episode was titled Hope, if you want to go uh, listen to it. And we got a voicemail from Sarah. Hi, Spencer and the Recovery Show team. This is Sarah from California. I have just been listening to the, one of the more recent podcasts on emotional stability and emotional security, and I found the distinction very enlightening. Um, I've been sitting in a place of newly single and trying to find my own emotional stability and security in that status. And it's been giving me some things to chew on or think about as to why I made the decision um, or we mutually made the decision to go our different ways. Um, we were emotionally safe, I think. We we trusted each other, but the thing was we were not stable or rather we were both stable in a state of sadness and therefore not propping each other up but dragging each other down. I think we need to both go away and learn our programs a little bit better to to make a better life for ourselves before we try to do this in relationship. So stability, security, an interesting distinction. I also wanted to um I just put pause on the podcast and uh I looked into the five W's or the five Y's. I found that very interesting and I'm trying to back myself into a couple holes right now and see where that takes me. Really interesting exercise. Thanks so much for all the work that you do, Spencer, and uh look forward to the next one. Talk to you later. Listening soon. Bye. Okay. Thank you, Sarah, and uh I'm really glad that that episode uh, spoke to you as well. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Patricia, Michelle, and Michelle did. And thank you again for your generous contributions. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's recommending the show to your friends, send them to therecoveryshow.com, or just listening to us. We are here for you. And the last song selection, and this one is... This one grabbed me. Um, it's called Body Love. It's by Mary Lambert. And you can listen to it at therecoveryshow.com slash 148. Um, and this song is about loving ourselves as we are. It's about not giving into social pressure to look or be a certain way. Uh, and in particular, to look or be a way that is not what we are. Uh, I do have a little bit of a trigger warning here. There's explicit lyrics and include reference to self-harm. So if... Um, that's an issue for you. Maybe don't listen. Uh, and here's some lyrics. Um, I know girls who are trying to fit into the social norm, like squeezing into last year's prom dress. I know girls who are low rise, Mac eye shadow and binge drinking. I know girls that wonder if they're disaster and sexy enough to fit in. I know girls who are fleeing bombs from the mosques of their skin playing Russian roulette with death. It's never easy to accept that our bodies are fallible and flawed. And then a little bit later, love your body the way your mother loved your baby feet and brother arm wrapping shoulders, and remember, 
This is important. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. My understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time.